No story is complete without a few curse words sprinkled on the plate like garnish. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to Catering WTF. This is episode nine, our very first interview with Chef Will Adamick. So this is, just so you know, beforehand, this is just a real talk, real conversation, no form or fashion, it's just what we do, right? So that's going to be what we do. So I'm going to start with, welcome to Catering WTF. Uh, Today's show, we have Chef Will Adamick. Hey. Hey, get to spend some time with you today and ask some questions. Uh, First though... This is your opportunity to say whatever you want, but go ahead and give us a little brief history of what you're doing now and what you've done. Well, first of all, thank you guys for having me. This is super cool, which you guys have been able to put together here in a couple of weeks, and I've been sharing it with a lot of people around the industry, and everybody really digs it, so keep up the good work Thank you. That. Yeah, I've been getting pretty good response. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, even like people that aren't in the industry that have heard it kind of kind of dig the a peek behind the curtain so it's it's a it's a good thing all around for sure so let's see about me what i do where i did what i did um grew up from the age of about 13 doing doing restaurant gigs uh washing dishes just anything i can and uh you know saw all the guys slinging around the big pots and pans while i was scrubbing dishes and i was like well this sucks i want to do that and then kind of played that game for about 20 years not very well uh off and on until I uh, got out of restaurants altogether and started a uh, backdoor underground poker game in Atlanta around the time the poker boom was happening. And uh, to save money because I'm cheap, you know, I'd always cater my own games for the for the higher end players. And I had a couple of kids from Georgia Tech that were big time poker players actually went on to win WSOP events and stuff. Shout out Daniel Weinman. And he said, uh, yeah, man, I, I'm you know, my fraternity might be looking for a chef. Is that something you'd want to do? And, you know, I'm chasing money around town, staying up 24 hours on end, watching idiots play cards. And I was like, God, yeah, anything but this. So, uh, you know, the money was right and they were paying me pretty well. And I was cooking for like 40 guys, you know, twice a day for for the week, Monday, Monday through Thursday, and then just lunch on Friday. So it was a pretty, pretty cush gig for a chef, really quality of life wise, you know, no late nights, no weekends. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a hell of a gig. Well, dude, and that's really my selling point when I when I go to hire people. I'm like, yeah, you know, you don't have to deal with all the, the craziness, you know, put on your own tunes. You know, you're your own boss here. Just make sure the food gets out and it's good and you're happy. That's that's it. That's your job. So that's what I did for about four years. And then I got outbid by one of the uh, the national players and went out and started Dogwood Catering that I'd already kind of started been doing, you know, people's birthdays, friends, friends parties, little weddings, things like that. And I, I had gotten that experience actually from working for you on the weekends. I would work the the frat gig during the week. And then on the weekends, I'd go play Top Chef with you guys and, <laughs> and live live a different life yeah. where, you know, we're going to 300 person parties, 300 person plate ups for Arthur Blank and all sorts of crazy shit. So uh, and I and I fell in love with that. I love the culture there. Oh, really? Oh, hey, guys. hey, we're going to pause this. Uh, Chicago's calling me. Let me see where go, he's at. Go Hold do on. It. Why are you going to Chicago? I was supposed to be in Chicago for uh, two demo meals that are going out tomorrow. 
That's why I had that's why I had to get that call because Ian, oh, okay. Ian went to Chicago for me. So my my campus manager at Tennessee is the only manager I have that like has the ability to leave his day to day operation and things still be functional. Not to say he's not pivotal. It's just that their head counts smaller and his number two is. So really he went solid. from Tennessee to Chicago. Yeah, I was like, dude, I'm not gonna be able to make these demo meals. Like, what are you doing Monday and Tuesday? And he was like. Well, Monday, they're out of school, and then Tuesday, and I was like, sweet, so just tell Nate to hold it down, and then one of the chefs we're hiring from another company that's coming on in the fall, she's been filling in on days for us where he has to go to Kentucky, which is in his region, or, you know, do something like this. So, he's in Chicago going to bang out two demo meals, and he was calling to give me the update on the uh, condition of one of the houses. And so, you think you're going to get, that would be the first time in Chicago, right? No, we've got we've got. Well, when I say Chicago, I mean Peoria. The flight to oh, okay. Chicago. That's the Peoria place. Yeah, but that's the one. That's the campus that we need to expand. So I've got a couple of campuses that are in the early stages. So the key to those is, I mean, they're they're basically break even operations unless we, you know, start to expand. Right. The, the key is volume on this. So once I can start getting to more, is it volume on most everything you do? Like, do you need the volume? So there's certain like I'm I'm in the beginning yes because of how I priced everything in the beginning it was all about just land accounts just land accounts you know but now that we're you know let's see 2000 and now that we're almost eight years into this now it's like quality of sale you know margins looking at real having real numbers to have in the beginning going into the contract so that we you know aren't painting ourselves into a corner you know working right. just to work. So we, I have a much better guesstimate about that. I mean, the only thing I really have to struggle with now is price of labor in the region and cost of goods in the region. Like up in North Dakota, they're both, you know, cost of goods is a little higher. Cost of labor is about the same, but quality of labor is exponentially lower. So it's, it's kind, of a, kind of a mixed bag. So what's your best account? Like if you had your most financially successful account? What, like individual house? Individual how house. do you... Either one. How do you how do you qualify that thing? Because obviously Georgia, Georgia Tech would be your best campus because you have the most. Yeah, Georgia Tech's our highest sales, um, but they are right now. I mean, we will probably have our biggest, you know, biggest return from Georgia Tech, but not necessarily our best margins from Georgia Tech because Georgia Tech takes a lot of labor. There's a lot of drop houses. There's a lot of specific houses there's a lot of old contracts there that i'm kind of married to for a while so it's you know we weren't able to grow the pricing but i think profitability wise uga is probably our leader right now and a lot of that has to do with my chef that's down there just absolutely killing it who's he uh his name is robert dingler and uh don't laugh it's his real name and uh yeah he's just a stud he's just like one of those guys that he's like hey man just called to tell you that uh I got hit head on by a semi truck on the way in this morning. Uh, two of our chefs have COVID. One of the houses caught fire, but don't worry. Dinner's out on time. Everything's good. Kids love it. <laughs> I'm just like, fucking, hey, dude, what did you just say to me? Yeah, you know, lost lost three fourths of my fingers today, but we managed to put out a great product. I'm just like, all right, dude. <laughs> that guy has called me with more problems. And before I could even suggest what to do, he's already telling me the solution. I'm like, I need a thousand of you. You're a stud. Yeah. 
Gotta have those. And, and really, everybody that's everybody that's um, you know really succeeding and thriving in that managing partnership role that we put them in. That's that's the kind of mentality they have. It's just a lot to make it happen. I mean, this business in general, it's a lot to make it right. happen. Right. Well, that yeah, well, that's catering. That's part of the yeah. deal. That's 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 one of the differences. The biggest differences. I was listening to your restaurant chef versus catering chef, like. The the amount of make it happen you have to have as as an offsite chef, forget about it, man. It's I mean, think about the concept or idea of just right. taking a crash kit in general. Just that thing that that doesn't exist in a restaurant. The restaurant exactly. is the crash kit. You know what I mean? Like we have so much shit going on. We have to remember to bring a box full of shit that could be anything. You know, a Bowie knife, a compass, yeah. a nylon rope, like. Fuck, man! I've used I've used every single thing I never thought I'd need when I started cooking a million times over. Yeah, it's crazy. And I learned a lot of that working with you guys in Augusta. That was kind of like my first taste of like, oh shit! And then I took the I took the gig with the race car team, and that's when I really honed it all in. Yeah, that's the same. Well, Augusta is a bad example because that was a fucking shit show. Yeah, but Augusta was also cush because we I mean we had water, we had electricity, we had gas, we had refrigeration. Like we had the majors, we just didn't have like. You know, the systems were rough because of the volume and, and, you know, it was just different than what we yeah. were norm- used to doing, you know? I mean, when you, when you, when you come out, when you come out of nowhere with a horse trough dishwasher, bro, like yep. that's when you know you've made it. <laughs> that's, that's when you're at the top of your game, turkey burners and a horse trough. Let's get right. these and greasy the, dishes done. And the power. Oh, that's, yeah. I fell in love that day. I fell in love that day. I was like, this is going to, what I want to do forever. Yeah. This is the most power washer in a, in a. Kroger, Kroger, shopping cart. Yeah, that, that was the best. <laughs> after after prepping from seven till whenever the hell we got done with our parties and everybody's rolling in, beat shit tired, fucking cracks open drinks. Let's just start this weird fucking Arctic dishwasher yep, party in the rain and everything. Oh, it's fucking crazy. Oh yeah, my favorite story of all time to tell anybody is when Scoon- when Scooney dumped that bucket. That's my favorite story. When he dumped of the bucket. What do you, you want? remember that? Yeah, because in the you remember in the beginning we had the sink and and it was a two compartment that they had just dropped there and we ran a right. garden hose to it to get the water, but there was no drainage, so we were draining it just into the grass at first and that was fucking up the people's yard. So we we started putting five gallon buckets on there and just emptying it regularly. And then at the end of the night, dude, we had all. I mean, it was that day. It was that day where everything just sucked. Everybody was beat. You and Chris, Chris Watson and I were in the pit washing dishes. We were the last ones out. Let's just knock it out. And I was trying to kiss ass because I think I fucked up the day before. So I was there with you and you were doing your normal thing of just being the last guy standing. And Chris and Chris, you know, finishes up last thing of the night. And he picks up that muck water bucket with all the bullshit in it. And he dumps it right in oh, the yeah. fucking yep. sink that has no drain. And it just goes all over the driveway. <laughs> you tap him. You tap him on the shoulder. You're like, hey, hey, uh, hey, Chris. And he just looks down and goes, man, fuck. And he just walked off. And that was the end of Chris's night. He was done. Like, that was, that was, <laughs> yeah, that was bad. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. That's one of my favorites. From that. But it's, yeah. Great. <laughs> oh, yeah. Phenomenal. All right. What do you want more for us to do here? To Your little practice? interview stuff. We're doing our interview stuff. Whatever. I'm going to. I'm gonna we did more stories. I'm we know his occupation. The listeners don't. We do. I know the listeners. <laughs> if somebody knows my occupation, fucking yeah, tell me. Right. Because you don't know it? No idea. 
<laughs> it kind of it's kind of like that spinny wheel. You wake up and just spin the thing and say, "Oh, cool, head sales. This will be fun." Go sit downtown in the Hyatt with the GM and talk partnerships today. That's what I do today. Like, am I qualified for any of this? Absolutely right. not. Yeah, but now I get everybody coming to me asking me like I'm some sort of oracle on how to do this shit. I'm like, I don't fucking know, man. Do it. I don't know how crazy. It's how crazy is that? That's what people do to me. They're like, oh, you got to help me with my catering company. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but I'm gonna. Yeah, but it. we do. Like, if you take a minute, if you take a minute and step back, you do. It's just that you and I are so used to being people pleasers and self and self deprecators that that like you know it, it's in our nature to be. I don't want to say humble because we, we do have egos, but it's in our nature to be like, oh, shucks, we're idiots. Why would you listen to us? You know, you're so, you know, we, we put people on a pedestal for, for a living. That's what we do. Everybody, whether it's people that work for us or clients and, and hopefully our families, you know, like hopefully we're doing it across yep, the board. Exactly. Um, that is exactly but, correct. But that's, that's the mentality. So it's, it's, we do have a lot of, we, we shouldn't be the ones we shouldn't be this, but when you've got 50 people telling you that you should be, you probably should be, you know? Yeah. How does it very different for your role now too, because you're obviously more sales than you are working in the kitchens necessarily. So that's a big change for you, which is, which is great. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Is it better than working a 50-hour week busting my ass, humping it in the kitchen? Yeah, most weeks. <laughs> is it? Does it suck a lot of the time? Yeah, most weeks. What's your uh, What's your calendar looking like? Are oh, we're guys, fucking. You guys got a lot. Oh my god, up? we're wicked slammed. Aside from aside from your your 86 tastings a week, yeah, it wicked fucking slammed. Like I got eight parties on a Saturday coming up on April 30th and May 1st. And I have so I, I need are you, I need, are you I need guys sixty not, chefs, and I have four. What's the market? What's the market like in Charleston right now? Everybody's still eating unemployment, or are they are they you know hungry to get back out there? There's no one hungry here. Oh, that there, sucks. There's fucking no one, dude. <laughs> I, that's I, the I, one I, beauty. That's the one beauty of the Atlanta market is like there's always bodies. You may have to churn through about fifteen of them to get five good ones, but there's always bodies. No, here it's like I feel like it's a Pink Floyd song. I'm like, is there anybody out there? Like, it's like <laughs> yeah, well, to try try North Dakota on for size and talk to me about that. Right, I know. I don't know how that works either. <laughs> I'm trying to fucking hire intelligent game. Like, I wonder if that elk knows how to fucking saute. Jesus Christ. Yep. That's how I feel. Yeah. It's brutal. It's brutal. It's brutal. Well, I mean, you know, like you said, stupid job, stupid job. But you know what I realized? And it's actually you that put this into perspective for me. Cause you know how, how I came up in this, you know, I was never, I was always little picture guy, I, you know, working the line, working, washing dishes, like super little picture. I was never on this side of the equation. So like this equation didn't even exist to me. And I realized now that I'm in this position, like coordinating what we're doing. I mean, food, food is just the product. Every industry has the same kind of hierarchy we have. We're not special in that regard. We have cooler names like Sue and, you know, shit like that. But you know, it's just another word for foreman and, and everything else. And 
it's universal, man. Everybody's got the same problems. It's communication, it's staffing, it's, it's budgets. And it's, it's just who can play that game better, but we're dealing in one that doesn't have the best margins to begin with. It'd be a lot easier to be selling Samsungs. Exactly. People don't understand what we deal with. They don't understand that our margins are extremely low. You know, it's, it's, it's exactly like I did with the tasting thing. You could, you can test drive a Mercedes. Right. 20 times. You yeah, you could put you can put ten thousand dollars worth of deductions on a Mercedes and sell it and still make a profit. You know what I mean? Right, but you can't you can't do that with food. They ate it. No way. No way. But I will tell you this: the fact that you're doing what you do in the way that you do it and are still successful makes you better than most business people. In spite in spite of me, sometimes. In spite of you, in spite of me, in spite of everybody else. So like, we're just used to dealing with this bullshit. Like, if I really think if we could go run Exxon Mobil, we would be far better. Because if you're like, what what are you doing with that? <laughs> I, dude, I often wonder that. Like, uh, a buddy of mine who does a lot of general contract work and stuff, um, he just got pitched. He just got pitched a job the other day, <clears throat> and it was basically like a 500 unit apartment complex, and they were going to pay him. 75 bucks to swap out the faucets in the bathroom and the shower heads. And he, I was like, well, how many could you do lightning speed at your best? He's like me, I could probably get 10. And I'm like, so like, you know, uh, you know, somebody who's not quite as skilled as you, he's like, I don't know, six to seven. And I was like, dude, you're, you, you're not taking it. Cause you're going out of town. I said, that's 500 units at 75 a pop. That's a big number. And the labor, you know, you're looking at 250 a day is a, is a great number for most of those kind of workers. I said, Man, you don't turn that down. He was like, "Well, who am I going to get to do it? I got to go. I got to go to Florida for three weeks." I'm like, I- I'll, "I'll do it." <laughs> I'm like, what am I talking about? Like, I don't do construction. I was like, "Just walk me down there one day. Show me how one's supposed to look. Get, I'll get a group of guys. I- I'll knock this thing out for you. We'll chop it up." He was like, <laughs> "It turned out to not be a thing, but I was almost a foreman." I know that's a that, well. That's again. That's how culinary people are. Like, I'm going to bring but my like, knives. I got confidence. To- Yep. Complete confidence. I like that. I would have been able to succeed at it. No problem. I was like, well, there's only like three moving pieces on this. Yeah. No problem. I got you. (laughs) That's, that's the beauty of our conversations is really like, we don't talk about a lot outside of just like stories and day-to-day stuff. So really it's all pretty viable for this podcast. It all is pretty viable. So you got no staff, you got a calendar full of parties and a million tastings and nobody wants to work. Are you to the point where you're like importing people? I am trying to import people. Do you want to work? I'll pay you. Fuck no. Are you kidding me? I don't ever want to work. Okay. Well, what do you want to do? I mean, I would come work like if you were asking like favor wise, like, Hey, come help. But if you're asking if I want to actually like do work, no. So what are you doing on April 30th? Coming to help you. Apparently you're coming to help me. How much do I have? How much do I have to pay you? Zero dollars. No, no, don't say that on fucking on record. I mean, you're the only person you're, you're the only person that gets the zero dollar rate, buddy. No, no. Todd, Todd, let me let me ask you a question. <clears throat> How many parties have I had that were made successful solely on me calling you and being like, hey, dude, I don't have any fucking clue what I'm doing. Help me. 
or hey dude how do i do this for 500 people help me or hey dude we don't have any of the necessary equipment can i come raid your multi-million dollar catering company to make my you know multi-thousand dollar catering company work yeah i, I work for you for free sir well you don't have to but yes oh, you, I, if you i had, yeah, you I don't have to do anything i'm a grown-up no, yeah, we have built that industry together, and I appreciate it. And here's the thing. You own your company. I don't own my company. So I have mad respect for what you're doing because – I'm doing the same I'm doing the same thing you always do. Yes, did. but the difference is you own it and I don't. I I treat it like I own it, but I don't. I feel, I feel like most days I feel like you've got a much better deal. I do have a much better deal because I <laughs> I don't own it. So if something goes bad, yeah. So when when the trucks catch on fire, you you just get to be like, well, we suck, and then, and then that person has to go home and fucking eat tums and 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 drink. Well, that's what they did. Um, yeah, that's why. I mean, what else do you do when you set a you know, you set a fire or God knows whatever raw chicken goes out. You, uh, you, for the first three years, I fucking I, anxiety wise. I don't know how I made it through. That shit was like, oh, well, I guess this is the new low point. <laughs> like, all right. No, no, no. Think about this for a month. There's positive things. So Dustin met some really good firemen. He's still friends with them. So like there, there's a positive. I mean. Dustin, Dustin loves meeting nice firemen. <laughs> right, exactly. So that, that's the thing, right? There's there's a positive to everything. No, that's that's the truest story. And 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 like, I've hit some pretty low points over the years. Whether it be, and there, there's been five or six times where I'm like, we probably aren't going to have a company anymore. Most recently, one being COVID, and like it, it's it's never as bad as it seems at the time. And it's it usually will churn out something, whether it's your demeanor, your ability to handle situations that are less severe, but are still really important that might have folded you previously. But now you're kind of battle hardened because it's not nearly as bad as that, you know, or, yeah. you know, you you figure out a lot of, oh, well, that's how I handled it. And that went beautifully. So next time I run into, you know, it's, there are a lot of positives for sure. If you're paying attention and you're learning and you're doing what you're supposed to be and you're keeping your eyes open. Yeah. I mean, that's the trick is not to fuck up twice. I mean, that's, you know, old, old hat, but it's true. Yes. But I fuck up twice. I fuck up three times. I fuck up. Oh no. Times. You're talking to the king of repeating fuck ups here. I'm just saying like, that's the trick. That's, that's the, the goal. goal. The goal is not to fuck out twice. The reality is, is I'm still making mistakes that I made from day one. Exactly. Sometimes. But here's the here's the reality. So it's a pandemic and nobody's dealt with this before. So whatever we do is never been done before. So that's. a Yeah, I feel like I, I'm the I, best I feel, at it. I feel like I'm the best at it. I'm like, we're really. I, I am. I am fucking pandemic. So right and now. it's like, that's fucking awesome. Like who who are the pandemic superheroes uh that would be us because we're making it even during this time with the hospitality getting crushed well i mean to be fair it's probably the first responders and the medical people and, and well, yeah, they're, they're doing their job and i respect <laughs> the fuck out of that but here's the difference between them and us they're slammed we're dead and we have to survive that's the difference yeah we're the it is a different. Dead. And they're the survivors. 
They're busy as fuck. They're For getting sure. paid. They're doing all the things they need to do in spite of all the fucking dangers that they have to face. And that's great. But yeah, that's, we're, that's great. we're, they're they're not dealing with much as much uncertainty as in in the business sense right. for sure. If anything, their job security is phenomenal currently. See, that was the beauty. Like, so in the beginning of this thing, it was I, I've always like before before you know COVID and everything else. I always was super. All right, so you know, you know me, and you know my history of of gambling and making calculated risks, and 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 kind of taking chances here and there. But usually, I, my my chances aren't my chances aren't. Hey, I'm about to get hit by this linebacker. Let me just wing up a pass. Like my chances are, you know, I, I weigh things pretty pretty calculated, and and that's why I've always really loved our kind of two headed business model because they're they're very much in the same vein, but they're extremely different times different everything about them couldn't be more different but they're but they're in the same industry and i'm like so no matter what if catering takes a shit and weddings suck and they continued you know with all of the trends that really i mean if we're being honest just shit on caterers like we get the short end of the stick like oh cool you built a you built a four million dollar venue oh nice i like the shoebox for the fucking kitchen with no equipment i'm glad i'm glad you you know like you know what i mean like Oh, you, you've got your greeting cards and you've got your photographer and you've got, you've got every single piece except catering, but now you don't have a budget. Like, you know, we, we've always been on the short end of that stick. And, and, and so I've kind of always been ready for, and and it's much more competitive than, than the other side of the business with the frats. And I was like, cool. So no matter what, if one goes down, I've always got the other, you know, vice versa. Well, yeah, except the fact that they're all predicated on large gatherings. Every bit of our business is predicated on in-person gatherings. No, I'm like, that's, 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 that's didn't the see point. that one coming. You don't see that one coming. And it was like, I, we've always said, I've always said, as a chef, as a hospitality worker, no matter what happens in our economy, we're safe. And now the pandemic has killed hospitality specifically the computer market is booming because you know zooms i wish i had fucking bought into zoom because now that's the thing so it's it's all that and now what we're doing is just struggling and it's just it's everybody it's not it's not the caterers it's it's restaurants it's frats it's catering it's it's hotels like they're not booking there's no rooms being booked like that's that's how they did really fine dining restaurants. You're in the Ritz Carlton. You run one of the best restaurants in the fucking world. The reason you could do it is because they booked rooms and they don't book rooms anymore. Yeah. You know, the, you know, the beauty, the beauty of, of that one right now is because I'm traveling so much. So I love the ghost town hotels. It's phenomenal. But two is if, if the pandemic was to have worsened, like, yeah, our industry got crushed because our industry at its, at its top layer is very superficial. It's, it's not, it's not a necessity, but if you dive a little deeper and this shit gets all Armageddon and we start, you know, stocking ammo and conserving water. Uh, being able to break down a deer and know what the hell to do with it and know how to preserve it, know how to keep from everybody getting sick. Like we're going to go right back to the top of the pecking order. So we either have to wait for things to get way worse to become important again, or things to get way better to become important again. 
Like this middle ground we're in right now is not, not great. It's, it's fucking super shitty. So we need zombie apocalypse. Or yeah, do zombie apocalypse. We're fine. I mean, who who's gonna be the first one out there coming up with like killer zombie recipes? You know what I mean? Uh, you and I. I I already have yeah. some good ones. Probably the same people that are coming up with the weed restaurants. True story. So true story. Yeah, I just uh, I just got out here to Illinois and it's all it all opened up for recreational and stuff. And I'm like, where's all the rest? Like, I figured there would definitely be a restaurant trend, like a quick casual, something like a Qdoba, but with like CBD and weed all through it. Like, how is that not more prevalent? Well, it is in different areas. Go to, go to fucking. Yeah. Like the more, the more established ones. Go to Denver. Yeah, for sure. Denver's awesome. Denver's awesome. Shout out university of Colorado. Hit hit us up. (laughs) We're ready to come to Denver. That's where you should be. Why are you not targeting Denver and Colorado and those. I mean, listen, every, everything's a target. I'm I'm getting enough organic right now to where I'll, I'll go to where the, what is that stupid stick that looks like a Y and it starts shaking when you get close to water, wherever that thing points me, that's my, my water rod. It's a water rod. Well, here's the deal. That's where that's how business works right now in our industry. You're actually doing better than most people. Yeah. Thank God. I'm better than most people at something, I suppose. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's growing pretty organically. We've got um, you know, we got Florida, Florida starting in the fall. Um, dude, I might, I might have another. We might have another nine or ten houses starting in the fall. I mean, it's it's snowballing quick. I know. So, so okay. So this, this is my my fear, right? My fear is it's snowballing quick. We all have to do this. We've made it through the pandemic. Now. It's up to us to do the rest. And the rest is coming like a fucking tsunami. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be quite the phoenix Correct. that comes but out of this, I believe. We're feeding the phoenix. Yeah. So how do we accomplish that yeah. when we have no employees and everything else? Oh, <laughs> if you had asked me that six months ago, I would have been like pretty easily. Dogwood Catering's not doing much of anything and Greek life, you know, marches on. But within the last four months, when Atlanta movie production and film production ramped back up, you know, we we found our way into that and that's taken off. So, like, I just went through I just went through a staffing hire to where, you know, we really had to we really spent almost three dollars more an hour on on people getting getting better people in the door because the better people are out there because they were the ones that were the highest paid in the concepts that were, you know, they were the first ones cut. You get a twenty dollar an hour grill guy and you get a. $12 $12 an hour fry saute guy. Well, Hey buddy, you're going to have to learn how to grill and you know, you got to go You're You're killing our bottom line right now. We have no business. So those guys are out there at least in, in the Atlanta market. And, and so we, we got some studs and you know, they're cranking out. I mean, they just added a dinner onto this production. So now they're doing over 500 meals a day out of that kitchen. And then we, you know, we went from being screeching halt two employees i mean you know core core salary staff and and the executive chef who was doing fucking everything herself everything tastings events prep like she had no staff like you're doing right now or or coming out of and within like a week we had to get an entire new team of people up to speed for uh you know three different productions that we're doing of of 150 or 200 a day times times two and now times three because they're adding a dinner onto it so it's 
And it's so much like last minute information. Like, hey, by the way, uh, remember how it was supposed to be 150 tomorrow? Well, it's 230. And they also want to eat 20 meals at two o'clock and another 40 meals at six o'clock. And it's like, it's 730 at night the day before. Like, what do you what do you how do you think that happens? But the thing with that industry right now and, and from what we've been able to glean from people that have been doing it longer than us is that caterers are lining up for those gigs and rightfully so, you know, the volume, the volume's good. The margins are okay. And, and, and it's not, it's not overly complicated on the food side of thing, which is great. The logistics on it are, are relatively easy in comparison to like a wedding or something, but they will tell you, Oh, you, you don't want to add 70 people to our breakfast with a three hour notice. Cool. Well, um, you know, Tony's catering will, or Jim's catering will. And you're like, well, fuck. Yeah. All right. We'll do it. You know, like, Sure, I guess. So our staff has been run pretty ragged the last three weeks with these productions. It's it's been crazy. The the Georgia Tech frat chefs have been coming over after their ten hour day and going to the Marietta prep kitchen and helping with production prep and then going to bed. They've been working I don't know sixteen seventeen hour days. Those guys it's crazy. It's, that's, it's crazy that's, right now. That's the tsunami that I'm talking about. Now all of a sudden life's coming back and everybody who's waited for an entire year is now doing this. And that's that's what we're facing. That's what we're facing. And I have like eight people and I need 75 fucking chefs. And I don't have I don't So is that is that 75 chef need is that like one gig or is that just your calendar for the month? Is no, the, like how measurement is, what is that measurement is April's April May the end of March, April May June is slammed. Because all of the all of the weddings, all of the yeah, because all, yeah. all of yes. 2020 Every, came to 2021. Yeah. I know to get over COVID. So now we're all dealing. Yep, our March, our March, our March weekends are are fucking crazy. I have no idea how we're going to do it with the with the six day a week production shit we've got going on. I mean, I'm probably going to have to hire an, exactly. an entire another that's, staff that's what on I'm top doing. of that. You hire an entire another staff. Okay, where do you get them? How do you train them? What do you do? It's it's unbelievable the thing. But here's the thing: we need it. We need the revenue. It's gotta happen. Need it. Gotta happen. You know, shit. <laughs> if we if we exactly. don't do it, somebody so else is gonna do it. it. Now it, that's the race. That's the Peachtree Road race. That's the Run Over the Bridge race. It, yeah, but dude, that's 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 legitimately the thing that sets what. And I use you and I as an example, and we know a few other people that really, but like, that is the, like, I've always pictured myself and this is, this is a self-reflection of how do you see yourself within this industry? Well, I'm not really super proficient at any one thing, but I'm pretty good at most of them. So the way I see myself in my head is as a fucking octopus making pancakes. On eight different burners with eight different flips with, you know, four different toppings. And I'm just constantly in motion with exactly. eight different you know what that's Do you know what that's called in business world? What is that called? Project management. And it's the one thing, <laughs> it's, it's the one thing I learned about doing catering versus doing a restaurant. In a restaurant, you're there, you're, it's a line guys, it's SEAL team, it's all that shit. When you're in catering, yeah, because that project doesn't morph into 84 different things like the other one does. Correct. So what that does is now we're in catering. It's project management. 
Because you can't be at every yeah. location every time. You can't manage the people you need to manage. You have to let them manage themselves. So now it becomes yeah. an issue of how do you manage the managers? How do you manage the project? How do you tell them what to do and how it, to do it? It de- you you hire the right managers. You hire like the right. That is the that is the number one thing. Like I. I am able right now to bite off as much as I'm biting off because of some key uh, on the, on the Greek life side of things on the, on the fraternity side of things, because there's some key employees who it all just clicked. I mean, we had, we had a satisfaction rating last year of a hundred percent. I called every single house we have. Everyone's super happy. We're still a hundred percent. I did not set foot on on UGA's campus more than twice. I don't even think I went to Tennessee because I've got fucking studs that are handling that shit. And if I didn't, I would be I would be a wreck. There's certain teams that don't need me to touch a a, a thing because they're on it and they've been on it since day one. And those are the people that are gonna really help us grow this thing. I mean, we've got we've got some freaking some thoroughbreds running running some of these campuses man it's 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 impressive to see right that's it you just got to have the right people that's how you manage a million projects at once you have a million use or some version of you yeah exactly that's That's good enough that's project management that's project management at its simplest defined definition you hire it's a lot of fun you hire people to do the project hold them accountable and they succeed that's what it is what you and I used to do when we were together was we did that. We, yeah. <laughs> we, do. we did all that stuff. And we yep. knew we could do it. Still, I, I still do. I still do in a lot of instances, man. I mean, I, we have to. I, when, have to. Have to. You know, I, I can't think of another industry and going back to our conversation earlier about how, you know, all industries are very much the same. Yes. But I can't think of, I mean, how many times have I seen you, the executive chef of said multi-million dollar catering company with, you know, 150 chefs and, and, and employees underneath them? How many times have I seen you in the dish pit? I can't count them on two hands. You know what I mean? Like, where else do you see fucking El Jefe scrubbing suds next to, next to, you know what I mean? That shit doesn't happen anywhere else. It's like undercover boss, but it's, it's just life. It's not undercover. We're just, dishes got to get washed, you know? Right. It's definitely not undercover. It's just, it's just the way it goes. <laughs> over the covers boss. Yeah, it's over the covers boss. It's, it's fucking crazy. Yeah, that's, that's us. You are over the covers boss. Yes, they, they know I'm the boss. But I mean, but that's, that's, that's the kind of thing, dude. Like, it, that's the kind of thing. And if I can go ahead and just kiss your ass since we're on the podcast right now and, and tell you that that's, if you had one, you know, I said earlier, I, I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of skill in a lot of things, but I don't excel in any one thing. Your thing that you excel in that you did better than anybody else and you can see the footprint of it. If you talk to anybody that's ever worked for you is culture. And you said it in the first podcast and I never paid attention to it. Didn't even know what that word meant. I thought leading a team meant cracking, cracking a whip and yeah, let's get the shit done and pushing people over the finish line instead of leading people over the finish line. And there's a huge difference and I never understood that until I started working with you and watching you. And, you know, I've got some of your employees that used to work for you. And to this day, if your name gets mentioned, it's a smile on their face. Love that guy. I mean, there's there's 
a ton of respect for you because of the way that you would lead people through shit. And trust me, man, we worked Augusta, what, six years, seven years together. There was some shit, (laughs) you know, there were some fucking nightmares where it's 16 hour days and we're all beat to shit. And then three more trucks show up with dishes that got to get washed. And we've got a four hour sleep window. And it's like, but nobody cried. And if they did, they didn't cry for long because it wasn't really just part of like it wasn't. You, I don't know how you did it, dude. You're like a, well, a they, weird culture magician. Yeah, they, it's what you're the best. Luckily, at. they cried when it was raining, so we didn't even notice. It was like that's really <laughs> well. the The real bitch of it was is there were there was no walk in for them to go cry in, so they had to do that shit in public, and it was just it was it was a little gauche. Right. That's why we, that's why you prayed for rain every time. Part of like I, I romanticize those times in Augusta, kind of like I romanticize going to work back on a line every time I go listen to like Kitchen Confidential or something. I'm like, man, it would be great to get back on the line. I'm like, dude, that shit would last about 30 hours. I'd work 30 hours and I'd be like, all right, that's enough of the line. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, I'm good. Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes I would do the same thing. I'm like, I, I'm just going to go work at a fucking Waffle House. I'm alone. At this yeah. Time. Well, no, I don't know about Waffle House, dude. That's that's a that's a whole another level of. No, that's my that's no, my end I, game. Waffle House. Dude, I, I don't think you could do it. D- bitch, I can do it. <laughs> I can I can do that shit. I would fucking crush Waffle House. Thank you for listening to our very first interview with Chef Will Adamick. If you like what you hear, please give us a like or a follow wherever you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, wherever you like to hear your podcast. We'll see you next time.